We cannot choose the game. We cannot choose the rules. We can only choose how we play. Welcome, mere mortals, to another book review. And today I have for you The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Why did I want to read this book? Well, I've come across Simon in multiple different podcasts, notably on the Lex Fridman, and I found him eminently reasonable. I thought, yeah, this guy's got a lot of a lot of views which are unique, interesting, and he pushes back on on people who are um, saying different things with regards to them. Or and he explained really clearly, and I just thought, man, yes, this guy's got it going on. So I just randomly picked one of book one of his books, and this was it. So this book was published in 2019 and it's a book about responsible, ethical, long-term business practices, but you don't actually need to be in the business realm or the leadership realm to take something from it because I think it's more about short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. There's 11 chapters in it and each has a, it's a style similar to Malcolm Gladwell's, which has a story right at the front and then expansion of the idea in that story. Now, it's a little bit different because I think he probably chose his ideas first and then just went looking for a story that that really highlights it. And it's it's definitely more about the idea, whereas if you're talking about something like Malcolm Gladwell's, it's, it's more about the story. Um, notably, I, I did actually say I would stop reading books like this, which have a story and at the start of each chapter. Um, however, I did start this before I actually said that, so... Uh, I'm not as much of a hypocrite, um, maybe like 80% hypocrite. <laughs> what are some of the themes? Well, infinite versus finite game. So I guess you'd call it winning without winning. So the meta sense of winning. This He got this idea from uh, a book by James Cast called, I believe it's called Infinite and Infinite, uh, Infinite and Finite Games. Whereas this is is more about the infinite game and talking about okay, long-term thinking, what do you actually need to do to, to get to that long-term thinking and how is it beneficial in business practices? So short-term thinking, I guess he, he argues is, is good if you want to beat someone, but how often is that actually? And so I think one of the things that, that happens with humans is we, we really enjoy it and it's everywhere. So if you're looking at sports, obviously there's a winner and there's a loser. If you're talking about getting promoted in a company, well, someone's going to get promoted and someone's not going to get promoted. So it's a competition. Who's going to get it? Uh, I want to win. I want more money. I want more responsibility. Whereas maybe that's not actually how humans live for the most part in the world. And if you think about it, uh, can you actually beat someone at life? Not, not really. There's definitely people who have better lives and worse lives, but I think it's really up to each individual. It's a game that you play internally for yourself because no one else can know your story how you were born your genetics the things that happened to you when you were a child all the sort of cumulative things that can add up to to making your heart your life either really hard or just maybe a little bit hard because i don't think anyone has a real easy life so he talks about this a lot and then the problem with short-term thinking is it promotes zero-sum mentality which is this person has something and so they obviously got it and took it away from me. So I think if you asked enough people, you would find quite a few who would say, oh, billionaires, they got their wealth because they stole it from other people. I'm more along the lines of thinking that, no, they created value and so then that value translated into a monetary, you know, physical number, whereas, I, I, yeah, I think the, the real true billionaires, they're not the people who have 
stolen stuff from others. Maybe I guess in the sense of dictatorships, where they they've extracted a, a you know the the resources from a country. But if you're talking about billionaires of of publicly owned um, CEOs of of companies and whatnot, I think that's a little bit different. Anywho, so he talks about that, and then he goes. He, he then has some slight caveat saying it can't all be vision though. It can't all be long-term thinking. You can't create a company and then run for 20 years making a loss because you're going to run out of money at some point. Like that's not how it works. In, in this game, you also need to be aware of the short-term stuff. So he had a quote in there from a CEO um, who was saying, you know, my, my company's 51% values and team and then 49% profit. So even though it's just a tiny little bit switch onto the value stuff, you do need to have a real solid base of I'm in this to make money and that's the only way you can sort of succeed in the long game is also to succeed partially in the short-term game. So that's theme number one, infinite game. So that's more talking about long-term and short-term thinking. The, the second theme is a just cause. So he states this as it's a specific vision of a future state so it's not a why, it's definitely future focused. And I'll, I'll read out a little bit of what constitutes a just cause because he's very insistent in the book that if you, if you want a long-term company, a company that'll last for decades, you know, perhaps even centuries and will last after you were gone, you need to establish a just cause and, and really try and hope that the people succeeding, uh, succeeding you will, will also follow this just cause. So a just cause is for something, so it's affirmative and optimistic. It's inclusive, open to all those who would like to contribute. It's service-oriented, so it's for the primary benefit of others. It's resilient, able to endure political, technological, and cultural change. And it's idealistic, big, bold, and ultimately unachievable. And then you might think, well, what's the point of having something that's unachievable? Let's that's, you know, not going to, I'm not going to ever be able to achieve it. What's the point? No, 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 no. That's not how this works. In, in the long-term game, in long-term goal setting, you need to have something that is sort of qualitative. It's ephemeral. You're never sure if you're actually going to get it because the problem with, with goals is either one, you reach it and then there's nothing more left to do. You get the gold medal. Geez, what am I going to do now? Maybe I'll get two gold medals. And then it gets to the point where, you either do that, so you succeed a little bit and then you set another one or you never succeed and you're chasing after this arbitrary number of being a, a millionaire or billionaire or whatever it is and it, in the end, it doesn't matter. You know, the things that matter in life are family, love, relationships with good friends, health, things like that. So he, uh, he talks a bit about that and then he also talks about what happens to companies when they don't have a just cause and so this is when the bad things happen. This is when the ethical fading happens. So you'll have uh, banks who will create, artificially create fake accounts to boost up their numbers so that it can look like their profits are increasing. You can have toxic workplaces where the CEO is... a, a not maybe not the CEO, but the people are gunning for the CEO's role. So there's there's backbiting, there's backstabbing. I'm gonna you know make this guy look like a fool so I can get higher in the company. Not realizing you're hurting the company by doing that. So you're gonna make your own role redundant because there won't be a role because your company shit sort of things like that. 
and then just the short-term thinking, which is, uh, I think if you're, if you're stuck in short-term thinking all the time, it can be extremely detrimental just to your, your mental health, not, not being able to appreciate the moment, not realizing, okay, there's bigger things in life than chasing after this number or this metric. So my personal observations, well, there was one particular point on page 76, if you're reading along, which is talking about the average CEO pay rise. And it's actually kind of disgusting. So it talks about the Economic Policy Institute reported that in 1978, the average CEO made approximately 30 times the average worker's salary by 2016. So there's 38 years later. Um, the average CEO, the average had increased over 800% to 271 times the average worker's pay. So essentially the CEO had experienced a pay increase of 950% and the average worker only 11% in theirs. I really alternate between saying, man, that is unfair, that is unjust, there needs to be rules or regulations put in place so CEOs can't earn, you know, as much as that but then if I think about it, if there's a 100,000 person company, there's obviously going to be a huge difference between what the person at the very bottom is making and the person at the very top. And that's sort of just, it's almost like a, a natural law that occurs, pyramid sort of form just naturally and in especially in human interactions and human hierarchies and things like that. So I don't know, I, I, I struggle with that. A good book to read with this is the book More From Less by um, is it John Andrew McAfee. And he talks a little bit about capitalism and why it's actually so good and technological change and things like that. So it's I, I think there's a, a good book to read that with because that couldn't sort of explain that why things like those, those injustices, that, that seeming injustice might be as high. Me personally, I, I don't know. I struggle with it. I alternate back and forth. Another one is on page 101 where he talks about the limits of power. I actually, and the limits of power and the limits of, of money. And I actually really appreciate this because this is a business book. So you're expecting a, a certain sort of person to, to read this and really associate with this book. Uh, but he talks about uh, money can buy a lot of things. Indeed, we can motivate people with money. We can pay them to work hard, but money can't buy true will. Boom. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. Money is very useful. Money is essential in a way, but if you focus on it, on it too much, if it, that's the only thing that applies to you, that's the only thing you care about, it's not going to end well with them. Money, like the real true things in life, money can't buy. Everyone knows this. Health wealth, uh, health, you know, good friendships, love, family, uh, things like that, you know, enjoying the, the simple pleasures in life. Money, money can't help with that sort of stuff. So another one is uh, page 141, if you're, if you're interested. It's talking about not only words, but also how people use words and it can give an insight into what that person is actually about. So there's many examples in the books where where CEOs will take over a company and then they'll talk about, yeah, so we're going to fo focus on the short-term business plan. We're going to increase profits while also staying true to our original goal of helping, you know, helping people uh, deliver monetary goods from this location to this location. And he says, you know, a real good CEO will, will get it the right way around, which will be the values come first. We're in this to help people, to make people healthy. 
And then profits or something will do that by focusing on the profits in the short term and making this these sort of decisions. So he talks about how politicians would uh, talk about enhanced interrogation instead of torture after September 11. Talks about in the business world, managing externalities, i.e. pollution and um, talking about you know, the harmful manufacturing practices, for example. Gamification to enhance the user experience, i.e. getting people addicted to stuff. Human beings become data points, data mining, as well as reducing headcounts and a convenience fee, which are actually just euphemisms for, you know, mass layoffs and for surcharges. So it's it's a tricky one. You've got to be careful with your words as well. This is something I also believe pretty strongly. If, if not only your words, but the order that you put them in. And I think that's, um, that's quite important as well. So the other thing I suppose I got from this book was just, it, it has a bit of a little bit of a general introduction to what ethical investing is. So if you're just chasing short-term profits in a company, that's sort of a reflection of your own mindset. You're just thinking about money and, and whatnot. Whereas ethical investing is more, you're investing in a company that you think it's going to do good for the world. And obviously you hope it makes a bit of a profit so that profit can come back to you. But you, you want to have your mindset straight with that. And so I thought, yeah, that's, that's pretty bang on. You, you need to be careful of that. So in summary, it's a driven and clear purpose to Simon's words. I, I think he has some really powerful arguments of the benefits to long-term thinking and spending the time to work out your own values and therefore your own ethics. So this is can be applied in a business sense, but also in a personal sense. And this book had really got me thinking about some, some things. Uh, it's maybe slightly utopian in the essence that yes, if you're in a business, you do need to make money. Like there's no doubt about it. And um, so he maybe does put too much emphasis on the on the just cause, the big picture, the the long-term thinking and not enough on the day-to-day you know, grind that is necessary at some points. But I think there's there's enough books out there that emphasize the how to become, you know, more productive in the workplace, how to eke out that extra dollar from workplace efficiencies and, you know, different practices. So I found this book really refreshing and I'm giving it a very solid Seven and a half out of 10, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. What's something pragmatic I'm going to take away from this? Uh, I'm really going to start thinking about ethical investing. One of the things that really stood out to me in this book was saying, hey, where, where are you actually putting your money? Because I was, I was sort of almost from my high and mighty chair thinking, oh, these fools, they're talking about you know, short-term thinking all the time. And then I realized, hey, wait, I'm sort of doing that with some of my own investments. They are things that you know, I'm not particularly... Uh, aware of the just cause of the company i'm not really sure what they stand for and i am only in that industry or that company because uh, I, th- I think it'll make a profit and so that's something that really got to me and i think that's uh this will require a lot of work and, and thinking on my part to to how you can actually do ethical investing but it's um it's it really got me thinking about that and uh if you want a little bit more detail on that you can uh see the uh, recent conversation I had with Matt Ward where we talked a little bit about this. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, If you want to play the infinite game with me, well, what helps me is actually giving me uh, a comment, a like on YouTube if you do that. And what are your thoughts on the book? Have you read the infinite game? What are your thoughts on short-term thinking versus long-term thinking? 
And yeah, I'll leave it there for today. Karen out.